0: Hello, space nerds. Welcome to Ractageno and Rootbeer, a Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm Matthew.
1: And I'm Michael.
0: On this podcast, we are reviewing every Deep Space Nine episode from the pilot to the finale. It'll be so exciting, it's going to give you umox. Pull up a chair and join in the discussion over some Ractageno and Rootbeer. If you would like to contact us, set hailing frequencies to rrds9podcast at gmail.com. Today on the show we are going to review season three episodes seventeen and eighteen, "Visionary" and "Distant Voices." So, Michael, are you going to give us a plot synopsis of "Visionary"?
1: Yes, it actually will be a short one. Um, oh yeah, I think he's. I think I can do it. <laughs> So, <laughs> so we have uh, uh, another Miles O'Brien suffering episode. Mm-hmm. My favorite, and uh, in this one. Some Romulans are, are visiting DS9 because they want an update. Um, they want intel on the Dominion, which is part of the deal for the Romulans lending their cloaking device for the, uh, the Defiant. So, oh, and there's also a, a group of Klingons that just kind of show up because they need their ship repaired. And uh, Miles O'Brien uh, working on something that blows up in his face. And uh, he gets all this radiation in, it, in, in his system. Bashir thinks nothing of it, says, you know, take a few days off take it Mm -hmm. easy Uh, and all of a sudden he starts phasing into the future five hours he keeps doing this and it becomes kind of a medical mystery why this is happening and also each time he he goes into the future something horrible happens and so it becomes sort of a mystery about um, the eventual destruction of, of Deep Space Nine and who caused it is it the Romulans or is it the Klingons and it turns out that the Romulans want to destroy the wormhole uh, because they see they see the Dominion as such a threat, and in order to do that, they have to destroy Deep Space Nine. And part what's ha- what's causing O'Brien to go into the future, they think it's this singularity, you know, uh, floating around outside the station. It turns out that that is a cloaked Romulan vessel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Meanwhile, the Klingons are a covert group of essentially assassins who are there to kill the Romulans. So uh, all of this is explained with Miles O'Brien uh, going into the future and, uh, and as each time he goes into the future um, it, it has a horrible effect on his body because they have to keep pumping him full of this radiation and, and it has this really creepy ending where the final time he goes into the future he essentially dies Uh, meets himself in the future, and the future self is the one who comes back to the present. Yeah. The end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so how did you feel about this episode?
1: I I mean, this is one of the reasons I really like science fiction, is thinking of these these strange uh, uh, science fictional... Circumstances that someone might be in. I, I remember when I was a kid, uh, I used to read what was it? Omni? Was that the magazine? This would have been. Sure. Yeah. This would have been uh, the nineties. The nineties, yeah. It
0: was like it was like a regular magazine that had like glossy cover and everything. Yeah, yeah. It,
1: it, it was kind of science and science fiction. And I remember when I was a kid reading an issue where it said, "This is what would happen if you got sucked through a black hole," and it was terrifying, absolutely terrifying wow <laughs> you you would enjoy being sucked through a black hole
0: you would probably die very quickly because yeah, yeah. you'd be stretched very, so yeah.
1: so i mean you would lose consciousness you would die quickly but it was more what happened to your body and how it would stretch you out like a noodle it was yeah. just absolutely terrifying when you're a kid and reading something like that but i've always liked uh, these science fiction stories where you imagine uh, this sometimes terrifying uh, situation and for for me i mean this is this is miles o'brien and he just keeps going into the future he sees himself die he sees Mm -hmm. the station get blown up there's no deeper allegory or metaphor in in this episode for that it's not like it's not like the episode began and he's having marital issues with keiko because he's obsessed with with planning for the future (laughs) you know it's not like it's not like they didn't bolt on some no there's no deeper meaning there's no deeper meaning to this um but based on that, based on the, the premise alone, I found it a fun episode, and I like it. And I like Miles O'Brien's suffering episodes, and and also that ending is creepy as hell.
0: It's very creepy. Mm. Um, so,
1: yeah, yeah, it it is very creepy.
0: I enjoyed this episode as well, and it did feel a little bit like the episode wasn't the same season or previous season. I think it was a previous season mm. where the entire episode is. Uh, you think it's from Miles' perspective, but it's actually from a duplicate's oh, yeah. perspective. Yeah. And then he dies at the end, mm. and uh, the real Miles is like, oh, watching him die. Yeah. That so
1: was the, a terrific episode.
0: Yeah, there's definitely recollections of that, and there's mm. lots of scenes where Miles is interacting with himself as he dies, and mm-hmm. there is the replacement of one Miles by another. Yeah. Which is super creepy. There's an element of Philip K. Dickness about this, mm. and uh, and also just you know the standard trope of if you meet your double, you know, uh, you're supposed to kill your double. Like this is kind of like a standard trope in fiction. Your doppelganger. <laughs> your doppelganger, right? Because only one of you can exist. So it is playing with kind of deeper or like kind of a standard trope in in terms of doubles.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As you pointed out, there's not a lot of maybe metaphysical questioning going on here no and towards the end the time traveling doesn't really make a lot of sense in fact so much so that miles o'brien himself says i hate quantum (laughs) mechanics because i just don't understand it like it just doesn't make any sense that that was
1: a nice touch
0: yeah Yeah. i you know what i'm always fine when someone is like saying you know our plot doesn't really make any sense but they actually verbalize it and then that's fine you know if you ever get into that issue and I generally found that the plotting was good and the revelation of each situation was mm-hmm. good. There was a nice amping up of all the situations. Uh, it was, there was some comedy when Miles finds himself dead and then he's like telling off Bashir for not trying harder to save him yeah. And, Bashir, yeah and Bashir's like i tried my best you know like
1: he said he wakes up and and uh, Bashir goes oh thankfully you know you're okay and he goes i'm not you <laughs> forgot to do a vascular arterial scan why didn't you do that and Bashir's like oh, oh okay
0: <laughs> yeah so there's uh, there's a chance for some humor um I like sometimes when O'Brien passes out, he just, like, hits the ground like a sack of oranges. Like, yeah. he just, like, bang, and
1: everyone just kind of watches him fall. <laughs> there there was one where he doesn't, though. It, it was going into a commercial break, so they they had to have him say something. Uh, and then he just kind of, like, um, goes back into the present, says what he has to do, and remains standing. And falls <laughs>
0: it's like, oh. Uh, yeah, so it was good. Yeah. Um, I don't really know why he had to replace himself. It really felt like a they just wanted to add some creepiness at the end when he replaced himself.
1: I, th- I think he was dying, essentially. I mean...
0: Yeah, but if you die, don't you die? Like, okay. Well, I so mean, I guess he, the point yeah. was that Miles was thinking about the safety and security of the entire station. Yeah. So what he was concerned about was not himself surviving. It was the fact that he was going to save this, the station. Mm-hmm. So, that was kind of the idea behind it. I felt it was a little bit, like, tacked on for just let's have some creepiness. Yeah.
1: I I liked it, though. And and he's talking to Bashir, and he says, like, I I just don't feel like I'm in the right place. Yeah. And Bashir says, well, you are O'Brien, just with a few more memories. And it's, I mean, that's not good enough. (laughs) Like, what happened to the other O'Brien? He just ceases to exist, I suppose, or, and where or is, dies?
0: Yeah, or? where is this O'Brien from? Like, he's probably from another dimension, right? Another mm. um, parallel universe, because he's from the universe that... Was almost destroyed by the Romulans, right? The uh, the DS Nine that was almost destroyed by the yeah, Romulans.
1: Yeah, you you can think of each time he goes into the future, they've changed something in the in the present, so it's a yeah. different timeline. Like different choices have been made, so it's a, it's a different group of people he's seeing.
0: Yeah, no, and I like that. I like that he did change the future. Mm. Sometimes with these time travel episodes, they get stuck on. Oh no, it has to be the same in the future. Mm. Uh, but they did like he stops himself from dying at least once yeah Um, so and and in the fight scene originally in the fight scene he falls to the ground but in the future he actually stands up and he never falls to the ground Mm. so there was some interesting aspects like that Um, I I like the explosion of DS9 yeah uh, apparently they did sink a lot of money into it they blew up a bunch of different uh, models for it
1: it looked it, it was a long explosion <laughs> it was a long explosion I liked it I was yeah. very pro the explosion yeah it's fun. going back to the uh, you know you can affect the future uh, depending on what choices you make it, it's interesting because there were a couple of times where he sees the fight in the bar and then he goes into the future and then they've blocked the Klingons from entering the bar they think that they're gonna prevent it yeah but then the Klingons have been in a hollow suite all this time so it's yeah. almost a sense that they can't affect the future. Yeah. But then later on, they do affect the future. It's very... Yeah.
0: So, I mean, yeah, there was aspects of... Sometimes you can affect the future, mm. you can't change it. And then other times, it did seem to be that
1: the future could be changed. Did you like the mystery with the uh, the Romulans and the Klingons and what was going on there?
0: I thought that was kind of interesting. I liked the fact that the Klingons and Romulans hate each other. I mm. like that aspect of it. Yeah. You know, they're just... They're jerks. and they, Like, you know... It's it's natural to see that the Klingons would hate humans because we're just a bunch of weaklings that don't care about honor. Yeah. But it's also it's interesting to be reminded that the Klingons hate Romulans. Just think of them as well. They call them Bataks and like just like they just they just hate them.
1: I mean, they're they're essentially the same group of people. Um, the well, the Klingons are. I shouldn't say that they're very different, but they're very, they're very military focused groups, right? Uh, The Romulans are all about infinite expansion and to take over everything. Uh, The Klingons just like fighting, but they're an honor-based society, whereas the Romulans tend not to have a lot of honor. They're very sneaky in what they do. Yeah. uh, In very underhanded ways. I I think Sisko or somebody makes a a point in this episode how the Romulans are pulling everyone's strings, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I guess in some ways they're supposed to be like equivalent to ancient Rome. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're... this was made much clearer in the original series it, where their home right. world is called Romulus and
1: Remus. Right, you know? right, right. And and the Klingons are sort of based on uh, feudal Japan, I think.
0: Yeah, well, just a, definitely an honor-based society. Mm-hmm. And it's less of a military and more just that they like fighting, you know? They, yeah. It's. I don't get the sense that the Klingons really have a central military... I mean, I guess they do, but it's more that there's groups of Klingons that just have a lot of weapons...
1: Yeah, and they like fighting and stuff. <laughs> Different houses. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's what I get in a sense. But I don't know. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like that they hate each other. It's nice. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see them hating each other. Uh, I like them fighting. Uh, it was, you know, the whole singularity thing where they were like, there's a singularity orbiting the station. Me, as a uh, viewer of the next generation, remembered that... Romulan spacecraft are powered by an artificial singularity oh and so I was like shouldn't they know this this should be in all their dossiers mm. because that's what I would think immediately if there was Romulans on a station and there's a uh, artificial singular or singularity orbiting wow. the station
1: Matthew if only you had been working in ops I, I have, would have I would <laughs> have, have, have solved this mystery up.
0: I would have solved it before it even became a mystery yeah <laughs> So, but I like that. That was a nice little callback to um, to those uh, next generation episodes. Uh, also important in this episode, Kira is confronted with the possibility of Odo's attraction, and she goes, "That's ridiculous!" Oh yeah. And uh, it was it was a nice way of doing it that the that it was like a bunch of Romulans that were presenting the possibility to her, <laughs> and she was just so so annoyed by it. And of course Kira was great um getting annoyed at the Romulans and getting annoyed at everyone you know. Yeah. Um, like even after she's been told to keep her cool and be diplomatic she's like okay I'm going to be diplomatic and then she's just like flies <laughs> off the handle <laughs> yeah.
1: I I was hoping that the Romulan who uh who was on board the Defiance um, at the beginning or end of last season, I I uh, I was hoping that she would return. But yeah, you were saying Seska? that yeah, Siska. You were saying that she might have been a a, uh, a recurring character, but they couldn't figure it out.
0: Yeah, they couldn't. They were like, how are we gonna have storylines about this Romulan all mm-hmm. the time? They just were like, no, it's just too much work. Mm um i thought the romulans were cool they're like they're always jerks um the klingons in this particular episode i didn't find them very klingon-y i felt like they were kind of klingons at like maybe 60 percent you know they were they when they were in the the security cell they should have been like you know threatening to disembowel or like Pull apart Odo or something. I don't know. They should have been more. I you
1: know more aggressive. I find that the Klingon part of this interesting because like like I was saying, the Klingon or we we're just saying that the Klingons are an honor based uh, society. So it's interesting that they would have a group of um, assassins or, or or a covert unit operating yeah. under cover, which seems to go against the Klingon, the Klingon honor code, and they didn't quite explain that. But I, I do like how the Klingons were pretending to be, like, usual Klingons, where they're getting into bar fights and things. They're, when you first see the Klingons in, in this episode, one of them's drunk, and security yeah. is, is hauling his ass off, and you're like, oh, it's those Klingons again. But then you're like, oh, wait a sec, they're, it's all make-believe, like, they're all doing it in disguise, and they're actually... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I, I kind of like that the more yeah. I think about it.
0: Yeah, maybe they see it as okay because it's Romulans and they can do whatever the hell mm. they want to Romulans. Um, I, this is kind of minor, but I enjoyed uh, whenever Miles O'Brien saw himself, he'd call himself Miles. Hmm. What would you call yourself if you ran into a duplicate of yourself? Would you call yourself...
1: Michael no I'd call myself bro (laughs) (laughs) I would probably say me I'd go
0: hey me you'd say hey me I would find it so weird to refer to myself as Matthew
1: no you know what I would I would I would refer to myself as, as Michael I think I mean, like, what would I respond? To? You would say, "Hey, you," or "Hey, me." <laughs> you
0: go, "Hey, me," and then you go, and then you respond and go, "Hi, me."
1: But you're you. I know you both. You're both me. No, they're another Matthew.
0: This is getting strange. Um, anyway, I think it's just strange that he called him Miles. It sounded weird, but anyway, uh, but. As we don't have standard pronouns
1: for when you are referring to your own duplicate. Is this going to be a pronoun issue in the future when we invent time travel?
0: Yeah. There'll have to be standardized pronouns for uh, referring to people, (laughs) referring to your duplicate. Um, Last thing before we move on to the next one, uh, or at least the last thing I was going to mention was the dartboard. This is the second time we've seen the dartboard and now it's up in quartz. Yeah. Now the stupid dartboard is up, I, and it will be, go, be going on for the rest of the series. You yeah. know that, right? I forgot that Morn got impaled by, yeah. <laughs> by darts. Yeah, poor Morn. And uh, Quirk was worried about him, but only if he got struck in the eye, because replacing an eye is very expensive.
1: So, Morn didn't seem that bothered by no, it, though.
0: It kind of hit his, like... Maybe his jacket seems very puffy, so maybe yeah. it was just hit his jacket. <laughs> yeah, the dartboard... Once again, I agree with Quark. Who needs to throw around pointed sticks at things? You know, yeah. just do it in a hall suite. Stop being like, yeah. Stop being a weirdo, O'Brien. Stop bringing your dumb twentieth-century games into the twenty-fourth century.
1: Stop imposing your twentieth-century Earth culture onto <laughs> onto a Ferengi bar. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, but we're gonna see more of it. Um, uh, apart from that, do you have anything else you want to mention about this?
1: No, no. I I think, I think it's best that we move on to distant voices. Matthew, would you like to give a synopsis?
0: Okay. So this one starts off with Garrick and Bashir and they are having one of their delightful meals, their lunches. And as they're just talking, it becomes apparent that Bashir will be celebrating his birthday soon and it is his 30th. And Because he's a little uh, wang, he's getting really upset that he's hitting his thirtieth birthday. I,
1: I wrote down Bashir turns
0: thirty. Boo hoo!
1: So he's turning Matthew, Matthew and I are twenty nine, by the
0: way. <laughs> thirty in two months. Um, so he's he's getting upset about his birthday, and he's feeling that he's going to uh, that he's aging too fast. Which, of course, cue what happens in this episode. Um, he gets zapped by some alien uh, named Altivar, who's looking for some uh, biomimetic gels, I think they are. Yep. The things that are in the Voyager craft. And uh, he gets zapped by it and then starts rapidly aging. Along with rapidly aging, he encounters an almost empty space station. And all the people in the space station who are left, it's Garrick, Quark, uh, Kira, Odo um, Dax and he sees Cisco as well. Mm-hmm. And, and they're on oh, and miles and they all seem to be acting strangely. And he sometimes hears whispers. Uh, so at one point they actually managed to make these whispers louder for Bashir. And he realizes that he's in a coma and that everyone else is essentially a figment of his imagination, mm-hmm. which, you know, I would imagine it'd be hard to take to learn that you're a figment of someone else's imagination. Mm-hmm. The people seem to take it very well <laughs> <laughs> we move forward, Bashir spends the entire episode trying to figure out how to deal with the situation until he he comes to realize that he should have remained in the in the infirmary the entire time uh, he uh, he coerces Altivar into this zapper machine and zaps Altivar and that wakes himself up and um, and he's fine. And uh, we come to learn that actually, Altavar, if, if you're psychically attacked in this way, you're usually uh, killed. So there was something inside Bashir that made him really strong mm-hmm. and uh, defeat this uh, evil person. Um, and Altavar, the bad guy, was captured and sent on his way. Bashir at the end is talking to Garrick. Nice little uh, book ending here. And he realizes that growing old isn't so bad after all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what do you think
1: of this episode?
0: I did not like this episode. <laughs> I didn't like it. It's funny. I was looking at uh, Iris Stephen Bear's comments about this episode and the previous episode, mm-hmm. and he liked this episode and he didn't like the previous
1: episode. So, I it's funny because we were saying how in the previous episode there's no uh, metaphor or al- or allegory bolted onto the time yeah. traveling. In this one, you know, it's really obvious where he's like, "Oh, I don't want to get old," and then he's having he's locked in his own head, getting older. Yeah, um, and it just doesn't doesn't work.
0: It feels it feels silly. I think the problem is, uh, so much of what he's doing just feels pointless, mm. and there's no real understanding of how to solve the problem until almost at the end, and so for most of it, he's just wandering around, and it's basically a dream. And we've talked about this before, um, you know, have a dream episode, lose a bunch of viewers, you know, Yeah. because what happens in the dream always seems not important or not relevant. So the fact that he's talking to Kira and Dax and everything like that, like the fact that Dax, for instance, gets kidnapped at one point, it seems to have no impact on the story, really. Like, it doesn't mean that a part of his brain is lost or it doesn't mean that you can't do anything After that, Mm -hmm. it's just that she was kidnapped. So there's really only one stake, which is that he could die. And there's no understanding of how we can stop him from dying until right at the end.
1: Yeah. And we. We we don't really learn anything really about Bashir even though we're trapped inside his own head. We do learn some things and that's he, the, the He part. He, can, he can tell the taste of Tarkalian tea from <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. It's yeah. like dripping out of a replicator he goes, Hmm, Tarkalian mm-hmm. tea. Yes. Like that's a pretty good sense of smell, but uh, or taste. Or I think taste. it's yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, sorry, taste it. I
0: think um the ending mm. is where it does start to Coalesce when he starts to talk to Altivar and Altavar starts revealing parts of his past and like about the post-ganglionic fiber.
1: And, oh, because uh, yeah. right, he didn't want to place first in his class because he didn't want the pressure. And But yeah. it, it, it's it's interesting. I, I um, when you, when he's trying to, when he encounters uh, Jazia and Odo and, and Miles O'Brien and everyone and they're acting like just these kind of like idiots, like these yeah. aggressive idiots, and they're not really thinking; they're just reacting to things. I thought, oh, this is interesting. We're in Bashir's own head, and this is actually how he sees other people. <laughs> he sees himself as a very, you know, well-spoken, intelligent person, and he sees everybody else as basically having low impulse control and, <laughs> <laughs> and being unthinking. But, but so I, I, found that that's you know that was interesting. But then it turns out that each one represents a different part of himself, and his media. As soon as that was explained, it just became less interesting to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't seem like they were, I don't know, I don't know. And then when they died, it didn't seem to affect him really. So it was like, what are, I don't know. It just felt confusing Mm -hmm. and it didn't feel like it was adding up to much. It just felt like they were trying to fill up an hour with a bunch of incidents. And it wasn't until the end that we really get to any sort of real tension. Yeah. So that was my problem with it. Um, I thought uh, Altavar's makeup looked really cool. Mm-hmm. He looked really cool uh, as a baddie. Uh, but, and and as I said, if Altavar had been like taunting him the entire episode and like, talking about his past and stuff right. like that that might have been more interesting
1: yeah he he never seemed to be in danger uh, yeah which was kind of the point you, you realize he you know but yeah like he, it didn't seem like he, like he was he was uh, Bashir was ever in any real trouble everybody else was getting killed off except for him yeah because there was
0: one point where Altavar like says I'm gonna kill everyone else and then come for you yeah uh, but you know and it, like even when he got to the ops you're like what is he going to do there I don't even know you know mm-hmm. like there was no understanding of how he was going to solve it so it just there wasn't a lot mm-hmm. of uh, tension for me um, Garrick uh, not to be um, objectifying people here but Garrick seems to have uh, lost a little bit of weight he's looking a little svelte in this a little svelte?
1: yeah um, I I just want to talk about again cardassian literature which i love yeah this is the second time we've heard about it um the first time was was all about the sense of duty where it was just the family all, epics, yeah, yeah this family epic generation after generation just doing their duty for cardassia yeah and suffering quietly <laughs> and <laughs> and in this one we hear about uh, cardassian i guess a murder mystery They're enigma tales They're en- yeah. enigma tales which are murder mysteries and the point of them is that everyone is guilty and the who done it part of it is just figuring out what they're guilty of. Yes, I love that. <laughs> that was really good.
0: Yeah, I love that uh, Cardassian uh, literature sounds like the most boring literature <laughs> in the entire galaxy.
1: I appreciate sure. that. Uh,
0: I would actually read. Uh, I would read it. I know. I'd be kind of interested to read some of this Cardassian literature. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Dax was in a previous episode was talking about. Cardassian poetry, remember with the Oh uh, right. When she had met the Cardassian poet. So maybe Cardassian poetry is a little bit more exciting. Maybe you, it breaks yeah. more boundaries. Do you rest. remember
1: like did she like the poet?
0: Uh yeah, because she knew him. Right? Oh, right. And she talking about how she liked him. Uh yeah. Garrick was good. Um, you know, we don't really know we never figure out what persona part of Bashir that Garrick represents. We don't really know. He seems to be kind of like um, his like determination, or who knows? He doesn't. But, really...
1: but then at the end, he turns into the uh, the telepath. So maybe yeah. all along he was. Uh, it's not very clear. No, no. it's not
0: clear. Uh, we also learn in this episode that Cardassians uh, don't believe in luck. Mm. They believe that uh, he's like it's not luck that enables you to survive. It was because you were strong, and Cardassian hearing is worse than humans. So they're not all, like... Because we've previously been told they have great memories, but uh, maybe they're not as great as as everything. They have um, good and bad things. Hmm. So it's always interesting. I like learning these silly little bits of trivia about Cardassia. Yeah. So that that stuff is good. Um, Altivar says one of the most boring lines... Like, it's supposed to be kind of a... You know when a bad guy yells something at a hero and it's supposed to be like it's supposed to cut to you to his heart because he has to realize that it's true yeah and he says you can run if you want to but you can't outrun death <laughs> <laughs> which is true i guess but it doesn't really imply that he's deaf. It just implies
1: that. It <laughs> yeah. just seems like it like would apply to everyone. It's just such a universal thing. Yeah, it just seems strange. But, it, but it, it's also it's also like something that uh, I, I don't know. Like a really pretentious teenager might <laughs> might tell you to really try and yeah get at you or something. I, yeah, it's
0: it's like uh, pseudo profound. It's yeah, not really profound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was uh, I thought that was dumb. Uh, yeah, the you know this episode won an Emmy for uh, makeup.
1: Well, because of the gray hair and him looking older. Yeah, up the then. Reed
0: Richards at one point, and yeah. then later. What did you think of the makeup? Um, I thought it was okay.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was okay. I, I, there were thought... some
0: parts I didn't like it, but other parts I did. I, I yeah. thought it.
1: I. It's funny. I thought it actually got better the older he got yeah exactly yeah like, i felt like, that way too it, it was really hard to show that he was in his I, I guess 70s or whatever but when he was when he was much older than that it looked it looked good yeah
0: yeah and he I like, think... like
1: around the time when he broke his hip
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i agree i agree i was kind of like on i was like thinking it wasn't that great and then when he was super old i was like no this looks pretty good actually and uh I didn't like his old person talking until he was super old as yeah. well. If like he couldn't get the middle
1: era. It was like Maybe that's really difficult for an actor to. I mean, it's easy to be a super old person because it's it's such like a caricature. Yeah, yeah, and, you're kind of you know. hamming it but up. To, but to imagine how you talk just 20 years into the future. Yeah. Spoiler alert, probably exactly the same as you're talking now. <laughs> well, if you're
0: anything like Bashir, you're afraid of what you're going to talk like when you're 50. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, interesting makeup effects. I think Altavar looked much cooler. I think that makeup looked really, really cool. Yeah. Um, also very different than anything they've ever done before. Um, but, you know, apart from that, I don't really have much else. say about this do you have anything further no
1: no no like both of these episodes are i mean this was a very kind of miles o'brien episode with featuring bashir yeah Um,
0: but what do you think about this whole uh worry about growing older do you think they successfully discussed this issue in (laughs) in in the distant voices one Uh, No.
1: (laughs) no, Yeah, I think that's my problem with it. Like, Like it's supposed to be about his fear of growing older, but it's never really, yeah, it's never really explored other than the fact that he breaks his hip.
0: Yeah. It kind of reminded me of that episode, and this is a little bit different, but the episode of Next Generation where um, uh, Beverly Crusher is trapped inside a collapsing warp field, Mm -hmm. and while she's in that warp field people in the enterprise start to vanish. And the whole thing is, it's a metaphor for when people in your life start dying. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she says, you know, I'm going to remember you. And, and, and that I felt like was a successful way of thinking about that, that issue in a like science fiction way. Like,
1: that is a, that's a really classic episode. That's a really good one.
0: And it just, but it like, it it has that whole metaphor of like this problem of, Oh, as you get older, more and more people you know die. Yeah. And um, oh, the only thing you can really do is promise that you're going to remember them and, and yeah. think about them. And, and, and this episode kind of captures that. And that episode does. This episode, he's aging, but we don't really get an idea of what metaphysically is the problem with aging. Mm-hmm. Aside from the fact that he can't walk around Deep Space Nine as much and he breaks his hip.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And... And his relationships with others are kind of meaningless because they are himself. They're yeah. just different aspects of his personality, so...
0: They don't... It doesn't represent anything. No.
1: I'm. I, unless we're supposed to say... Unless they're trying to say that as we get older, those aspects die off. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't think they're trying to say. Yeah, anymore.
0: I know. Like, you... my
1: confidence just died. Oh,
0: well. <laughs> I've hit thirty-five. I've hit 35. I don't have any...
1: Actually, that, that is accurate. <laughs>
0: yeah, yes. and, and like the doubt I think the doubt would remain until you died like when you have doubt no but (laughs) get away from me (laughs) Mazel Ryan why didn't you die (laughs) so yeah I think in that respect it wasn't the strongest episode but Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah Um, uh, nothing else you wanted to add about that no okay so I do want to uh, just bring up as well that we did receive a lovely email from uh, one of our fans hooray Um, uh, a person named Jade Rocks which sounds suspiciously perfect for a name. That is an amazing name. Yeah, Jade rocks. And um, uh, Jade writes that about two things, and I'm gonna ask you questions Uh-oh. so we can discuss it a little bit further. Uh, the first is um, uh, Jade feels there's a lot of sexual tension between people of all genders mm-hmm. in uh, Deep Space Nine Mm-hmm. Do you feel this is the case do you feel like there's i know
1: that this is a trick question matthew because i know i know that deep space nine has the first same-sex kiss does it not or something like that yeah is that coming up i know it's coming up
0: but even just in what you've seen so far (laughs) do you feel like uh jade writes i
1: i I would say i would say
0: that there is do you feel like quark flirts jade writes quark flirts with everything do you feel like that's the?
1: yeah actually i yeah, I would I would agree with that. We we did. I mean, we saw that episode uh, with with uh, the female Ferengi who was yeah. dressed up as a man, and how that was dealt with in that episode. And and I think I and how Cork uh, responded to that. And I and I think Cork does kind of flirt with everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and I I agree. I think that
0: Cork uh, in particular is a very uh, whatever is good for business, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, he'll yeah. do anything for business. So. If it means, you know, kind of um, uh, flirting or being, um, I suppose, close to people Mm. of any gender, then yes, he will will do it, you know? And the second that uh, Jade points out is, um, Jade points out that this DS9 sometimes feels like MASH.
1: How do you think about that? Oh, that's interesting. That is interesting. Um, Yeah, because, I mean, MASH, they're they're sort of on the frontier right yeah exactly it's it's a lot of western doctors uh in on a battlefield which is increasingly what ds9 feels like yeah exactly uh, yeah and sort of these different these different uh roles within the camp where you have military officers doctors uh civilians yeah uh, coming together and they have their own kind of uh uh community yeah i i can see that that's interesting
0: yeah yeah it's an interesting parallel i haven't watched mash in years so mm-hmm. i can't really talk about it in much detail but uh yeah it was an interesting uh point to make
1: i'm trying to think of specific mash characters now like radar or whoever who might who might trans transfer over to or, ds9 or
0: hot lips hula yeah <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> um
0: yeah i think it's it's interesting because it is, like, MASH is specifically not about the, the main conflict in the Korean War. It's it's specifically about, like, like it doesn't take place on the front lines. It takes place, or not always. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're sometimes bombed and things like that. But it takes place at, at a remove. So it's not about the actions. It's not about the war happening. It's about how people deal with war and how people...
1: Yeah, you know, heal from
0: war and all that.
1: Unless unless there's like a deeper parallel between uh, Koreans and um, and Bejorans as well. I don't think so. Maybe. Hmm. Let's think about this. <laughs> interesting.
0: Yeah. So uh, I want to thank Jade for your lovely email, and um, we want to encourage anyone else if they have any uh, thoughts to please send them our way at um, at our. Email address rrds9 podcast at gmail.com. Hmm. Michael, do you have anything further you want to add?
1: No, uh, thanks Jade very much for your letter. And yeah, we always like getting getting uh, reviews, ratings, emails, whatever however you want to message us, um, <laughs> subspace channels. <laughs> Maybe just fondling our earlobes. Yeah, that's okay too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so however you want, that's that's uh, that's what we'd like. Um So otherwise, I think that's it for this week. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening.